Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Tony Cotty, and you're listening to the We Are West End podcast. You are listening to the We Are West End podcast with me, Will Pugh, Tom Edwards, and James Jones. And what the haller was all the fuss about? Sebastian nonchalantly smashed one in the top corner from 25 yards without even breaking into a jog and shrugged it off as if it was nothing as West Ham put the blades to the sword in the Tevez derby. A thoroughly convincing 1-0, far more professional than the nerve-jangling victory over Fulham the week before. The Hammers are eighth, and if it wasn't confirmed already, we are absolutely massive. Jonesy, lovely to see you. Glad you've got a little boy involved in uh, football shirt Friday. Uh, finally bought him his first West Ham shirt. West Ham getting in the Champions League, surely. Yeah, yeah good to see you too, mate. Um, yeah, I bought, bought my son his first West Ham kit. It's his first birthday in a couple of weeks. So, um, unfortunately, I'm I'm going to give him a, a, a life of sadness, just like I, mm. we've all had to go through as well. But, um, but yeah, I'm just wondering whether you're still really angry about us winning at the weekend because you were <laughs> off the Fulham game. So I'm just wondering whether whether you've managed to, to find a little bit of joy in your heart for those three points on Sunday. Well, first of all, I mean, spoiler alert for your lad, by the way, telling him or saying, announcing on the podcast that he's getting a West Ham shirt for his first birthday. What if he listens? Uh, he, he listens. He, he listens every every night because, um, as you know, my voice is a is a cure for insomnia. And, um, <laughs> it's, it's the, I put it on just so he can get to sleep at night. Uh, well, fair play for that one. But no, as far as my anger goes, um, I know you've written on the running order for tonight that I'm absolutely livid that we won again. But far from it. Far from it. I thought it was a thoroughly, thoroughly professional performance. We definitely deserved to win. If it wasn't for a little bit of hesitancy on a few occasions um, and poor decision-making from Jared Bowen in the final third of the pitch, it could have been quite a comfortable 2 or 3 nil stroll. Probably should have been, to be quite honest with you. I thought it was far more professional 
than Fulham. And yeah, it was just nice to see us be the better team and walk away with the result we deserved. Completely unlike what happened at Fulham. If we'd have given away a brainless penalty right at the death at Sheffield United and then stood around looking at each other going, oh my God, what happened? And relied on someone to pull a rusty Penenka to get a, uh, a lucky three points. And yeah, I'd have been furious again, understandably. But no, absolutely delighted with that result, especially as we mentioned last week, as it was against Sheffield United. But Thomas, wonderful to see you here again, mate. Um, yeah, I mean, so many positives. Back-to-back wins, back-to-back one nils, albeit. But these are exactly mm. the sort of games that we could have been expected to, to stutter and stumble at. Um, given, you know, after we had that hard run of games against the big teams, you could just see it, couldn't you? A bit feeling of positivity and then a, one point out of these two games, it would all come crashing down. But far from it, buoyant and positivity around the club. Exactly. It's very nice to come back with another win, lads. Um, always a pleasure. And yeah, exactly that, mate. When you said professional, I think that's the job which sort of ties it all together with um, Sunday's performance. We were... We were very solid at the back. I know they had one or two chances. McBurney particularly could have done well with one. But apart from that, the back four was pretty sensational. Bonner barely put a foot wrong. Hasn't all season. And then you've got the front three who caused problems on the counter-attack. And we just looked like a, a really solid together team now. He's grinding out results and, and making the most of the luck that does go our way. So long may it continue, mate. Absolutely, mate. Yeah, I uh, I really enjoyed the whole game at the weekend. I just thought we were better. And I mean, Sheffield United are rubbish. I can't believe the transformation. Yeah. For them from last season, they really just, they don't look anything like the side they were last year. But uh, lads, excellent show lined up tonight. Once again, we smashed it out the park with the former players. Uh, as a guest, we've got ex-West Ham striker, star of the 85-86 season, Frank McAvenny on the We Are West Ham podcast later on. So we'll have Frank, just as we did, had his famous strike partner, Tony Cotty, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Frank will be joining us in part two and three for the evening. So we'll grill him on Sheffield United, what he makes of Sebastian Haller having played such an integral part for West Ham in that striker position in his career. We've got lots more coming as well, though. So we'll cover the Sheffield United game with Frank. We'll, of course, ask him some questions about his career and his time at the club, including that partnership with former We Are West Ham guest Tony Cotty. We've asked the We Are West Ham listeners for their opinion. And we've we've unearthed a, a repeat question this time. It's back to the Haller Antonio conundrum. Uh, Tom Edwards put the poll out earlier today, so we'll listen to what the We Are West Ham fans and listeners have got to say about that after Haller's goal at the weekend. The Betway charity bet so close again at the weekend, but no money coming in. So we'll, uh, we'll line up our bets for the Villa game next weekend. We've got an opposition view, of course, Tim, the Aston Villa fan and TV presenter is on later on. Name that game is back with James Jones, the quiz master. And of course, we'll wrap up with the, the West Ham women's segment. And this week, we've got another huge guest, uh, Kate Longhurst, West Ham women's star, her dad, Jeff, who's been a big fan. Uh, Matt Beard, obviously getting sacked since we've done our last show. So lots to cover as far as the women's team are concerned. Kate's played for Matt for around 10 years and Jeff has known him for all that time. So we'll have some insight into Matt. The decision to sack Matt Beard or the, the mutual departure that occurred in the week. And we'll get Jeff's thoughts, of course, on the men's team as well. We'll have an FPL update, which is a part of the show I am really looking forward to, especially to have a chat 
with James Jones about. So it's a brilliant one, lads. Uh, Jonesy, Frank McAvenny coming up in a few short minutes for everyone at home. And once again on the We Are West Ham podcast, we're delighted to say that we've got another competition. We handed out a free West Ham shirt for this season to Chrissy a couple of weeks ago. And Jonesy, you've got another competition that you've lined up with the art of football. Yeah, we've. Uh, I've been speaking to the guys at Art of Football. I've I've done some previous uh, some stuff with them previously over the years. Some giveaways on on another West Ham account that I that I run, and uh, they got in touch. So they got a Christmas giveaway. Uh, would you be up for it? And and obviously I said, well, we got this podcast that you know we can give away. So um, people listeners head over to our Twitter account at we are underscore West Ham. Find the tweet. We'll pin it for a few days. I think it, the. The winner needs to be announced on Sunday. Um, so we'll pin it for a few days. And um, what we've got to do is retweet, like, follow us and our football for a chance to win either a T-shirt or a print for your for your wall. Um, West Ham related. It's, they've got loads of great West Ham related products. Um, you know, T-shirts with Decanio, um, famous moments, um, or just kits and stuff like that. You know, so I saw the re- I saw the retro old kit kit print. Mm. I like that. Yeah, some really really cool products and um, a prize well worth winning if you can if you can get involved. So head over to our Twitter account and um, give yourself give yourself a chance of winning something ahead of Christmas. Absolutely, Christmas present or a little gift for yourself. So head on over to at we are underscore West Ham on Twitter to enter that competition. Quick shout out as ever to all our listeners, new and old, as Boris Johnson has confirmed that the uh, lockdown restrictions. Oh, well, the lockdown's been lifted and we're back to the tiered system again. So I hope that works out for everyone listening and you're all able to see your families and do a bit more of what you want to do. Obviously, fans coming back as well. We'll discuss that, the chance that West Ham will be able to get some home fans in for that home fixture on Boxing Day against Brighton. So hello to everyone. Don't forget, of course, to rate, review, like, share, subscribe on all of our platforms and just do us a favour, tell your mates about it. Uh, We've had a few new listeners this week who aren't on social media as such and um, just word of mouth, the good old word of mouth. The age of social media is great, but if you can spread the word, send a text, share the episode, copy a link to someone who, uh, who might not listen already, then we would be very very grateful you can of course watch the show on youtube the link is in the podcast description below so if you listen to this just scroll up hit the link and you can subscribe to the channel and watch me and the lads and you can have a look at the um yeah tom's hair looking good this week so it's worth uh looking yeah. over to youtube if just for that but lads uh, massive show tonight Josie frank mcavenny coming up shortly uh, wonderful news Yes, um, that's the, what, the third member of the boys of 86 we've had on now. In the um, past four weeks, I think. In the yeah. past four weeks. Uh, it's, it's Frank's debut on this version of the podcast. I know we've had him on the radio show a few times, but it's his debut on, on this version of the Real West Ham show. So, um, yeah, really looking forward to having a chat with Frank and hearing his views on you know on the current state of affairs at the club. Obviously, there's a lot of positivity, um, but also hearing some of his stories from his time at the club, particularly in that, that famous... Um, boys of 86 season where we finished third and yeah yeah just really looking forward to to listening to Frank chat West Ham just a quick heads up though to you two um, it was actually Frank's birthday on Sunday so it's customary to wish someone a happy birthday I know we've missed it 
by a couple it, of days. But um, Frank, just, just, it, just... Frank is definitely deserving of a, of a happy birthday. So yeah, I'll he make sure. <laughs> yeah, none of this. Oh, it's a couple of days late, Frank. Sorry, I don't want to say anything. None of that. This is Frank McAvenny. We're wishing him happy birthday, even <laughs> if it is two days late, whether you like him or not. But um, yeah, stay with us because all that. Frank McAvenny, star of the Boys of 86 season, 190 appearances, 60 goals across two spells at the club. Coming up next. <laughs> You are still listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh, Tom Edwards and James Jones. And I am thrilled to say that we are joined by West Ham legend, Boys of 86 hero, Tony Cotty, who's a friend of the podcast, his strike partner for all those years. It is none other than Frank McAvenny. Frank, delighted to have you with us. And first of all, and I must do this to prove a point to these two who missed my own birthday the other week. Happy birthday for Sunday, 61 years young. Um, yeah, but many, many yeah. happy returns. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, sitting in the house, locked down, isn't I? Um, <laughs> just go enjoy yourself, and you? It's just get on with it. It's one of them. Every day's like Groundhog Day now, so. Yeah. You, we'll, you we'll, get it. we'll get by it, I'm sure. Good man. Are you, are you uh, you're up in Scotland at the moment, I assume? I am, yes. I moved here about a year ago. I moved back, so yeah, it's good. It's all good. Can't complain. I'm really happy. Good stuff. But a uh, a massive victory over Sheffield United at the weekend, Frank. Two back to back one nils. Not exactly particularly mm. pretty. Certainly the Fulham one. But uh, the weekend's performance, I thought, was a really professional and pretty solid encounter. It's an age-old cliche, but those are you know games West Ham might have lost uh, in seasons past. Do you think that's it's a bit of a sign that we're beginning to turn a corner at the moment? Well, I, th- I think so. I-, I hope so because you know the fans have deserved better, even though they can't get in. You know they're still watching the games, and 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 it's been hard to to watch them for many a time. But uh, at the moment, you know, I think they've got some good energy. You know, I, I'd love to see Declan stay, um, even way by the end of the season. You know, there's been so much speculation. I'll not be doing him any good. But I think he's enjoying himself in the midfield at the moment. There's a lot of energy, as I say. And um, people are getting about their business. Uh, big hammers. He, he's, he's um, I don't know what he make, make him. He's a, he's a wonderful... You look at him, you think, you, you should be a world beater. I mean, he should, when he was sitting out the team, if that was me, I'd be sitting looking at, you know, Antonio and thinking, I've got to beat that to get back in to my team. Now, Antonio puts his cell about and he's, he's a workhorse. He does everything for the team. You know, and I'm thinking, you know, <laughs> the big man, is, he's, like, he's like an athlete and he doesn't do it. You know, and I'm thinking, and he could score. I, I, I made a statement when he came. I thought he would be the first to score 20 goals for many a season. When I'm... Um, it just—it doesn't seem to be able to play in a one. It, it can't hold the line. I know he scored a wonderful goal, but I wouldn't have been. I'd have been in the box. See when the, when he scored, he just walked after it, you know. And I'm thinking, you know, sometimes you've got to be lucky. But I—I I, I believe the midfield players would have come onto that and hit it, you know. But you make your own. You make your own. Just luck in games and as a centre forward, you know, he got probably smiling. <laughs> he scored a goal. He scored a wonderful goal. And I, and I thought, my God, he's just lost a bet. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You know, all yeah. the boys, you can see all the boys around the building. They're all delighted. Every one of them, all smiling, 
congratulations, big man. You know, you, you, I know what it's like as a striker when you're not scoring. So that was a wonderful thing. And I just stood there and think. And then he was on TV after it. And I thought, maybe it's just he doesn't like his teammates. But he's on, he says, yeah, I'm very delighted. And I thought, my God, show your face. You know? <laughs> you know, tell your face I'm delighted. Because he's like that on telly. And I thought, maybe that's just the way the guy is. I don't know. He says, doesn't he, Frank? He says on that, sorry, James, to interrupt. He says that uh, I'm a striker. I'm paid to score goals. So, uh, I, you know, there's nothing to celebrate. That's what I'm paid to do. That's my job. Do you buy into that? Because that's no, the same for no, all strikers no. in history, isn't it? No, you know what's going to happen. He knows that Antonio's coming back and he's going straight in. And that's, you know, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sorry, but he should be working his backside off because, as I say, he's an athlete. He's huge. He showed it at the weekend. He's got some great touches. The header... You know, he put in and, mm. you know, was it Bowen? He missed it. And uh, was it? No, it was it Suchek, Suchek, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So he, he missed that. And some great touches. You know, but see when you make a mm. touch, you've got to get in the box and get in the end of, you know, the work you've done. And uh, I just think he, he, he strolls about. I think he's definitely made for playing with two or three up front. He's not, you know, he's not, a, he's definitely not. And he could be because... I'm going to be honest with you guys. You guys are too young. I've seen me, but when I played, if I was his height and his size and his ball, I would have been knocking people about all over the place. It would have been, <laughs> I'd have scored a lot more goals, you know, because the centre halves were big lads, you know, and, and they're all fair to him, but he doesn't do it. So mm. he's an enigma, I think. So, but listen, don't smile, keep scoring goals. I'll be well happy. <laughs> Frank, just, just on Hara quickly, that, you mentioned that he's probably more suited to a two or three, and he's obviously used to that, having played in a three at Frankfurt. Yeah. And the debate is, you know, should Moyes tweak the system, a system that's working now, to try and fit, try, try and fit Antonio and Haller in the same eleven? Can you see that happening? Do you can see it working? Well, I can see it. I can see it working in certain games, but I think, you know, you've got a defence there that's, you know, I, th- I think they're doing they're doing pretty good. Um, you can tell it's, it's no coincidence since since Stuart Pearce came in that the defence has mm. been working. You know, um, you know, Nolan's a midfield player and, and great, and he'll be he'll be telling the midfield player what with aim and the strikers. You know, he, he can work them. Um, but Stuart came in. David Moyes was a centre half, not a very good one, but he was a centre half. Tell myself that. He's came in, and they too will be working in defence. And, mm. you, and you can see that they've been worked because, you know, they, they know where each other is. And uh, whereas before, they were all over the place, I've got to be honest with you. So, and when someone gets injured, the other guy's coming in and just ain't starting again because he's, they're working all the defenders. And it's and it's good to watch, to be honest with you. You know, but I was very sceptical at the start of the season. I didn't know where they get after the, the first game. I didn't know where, where any points were coming from. But, you know, typical West Ham. They've stood up to the challenge and they've got the points with it and they've scraped through when you expect them to get a few goals. But it makes a change for last season because last season they'd be getting beaten in games. Mm-hmm. So um, they're scraping through when you think Fulham, you know, they've got a couple of goals off Fulham, their defence is hopeless. And uh, they mm-hmm. didn't do it, but still got a 1-0. And then at Sheffield, you know, it's, an, an, it's always hard to go away, especially when someone's not winning eight games or something like Sheffield had. So uh, that was hard. That was a hard place to go, and the boys buckled down, and and you can see them all. I like all that when all, everyone's smiling in the park. You know, when I mean, you're smiling on the park, no matter what job you've got, if you're enjoying it, you're going to do it better. 
So mm. here's hoping for more smells. 100% Frank. And what have you actually made of the overall job that Moyes has done? Because he's obviously come in and, and like you say, everyone's smiling, happy. The only person who's not Haller apparently. Yeah. But um, yeah, he's won some smiles on the faces. He's got us playing some good, solid football. So what have you actually made of him? Because he, he got a lot well, of stick. I know David, I know, you know, I didn't think he should have been sacked the last time because he, he'd done the job he got brought in to do. Mm. And he kept him up. And it was a shame, you know. I, I thought he'd make him a good team. I think he's got to get a chance. He's got to get two or three transfer windows. I don't mm. know if it was him. I, I, don't, I wouldn't know if it was him that brought Haller in if he, if he was to do with that. I don't know. Because um, he's, he's, he's got no bad eye for, for a player. You know, he brought, I know he brought Bowen and uh, mm-hmm. Suchek and, the, and the, the boy at right back, um, Cordwell, I can't remember his second, how to pronounce it. But, you know, I think he brought all them in. So that's his players. You know, and he can see a bargain for the champion. So, um, you know, I just think, yeah, I don't think he would have spent 40 million on uh, Haller. I don't think that was his. Mm. He, he did bring Jordan. Yeah. He did bring Jordan Hugill, though, Frank, didn't he? Oh, God, yeah, don't. <laughs> <laughs> Frank, how, 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 how would you... a good player somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, no, he, he went on and banged a few at QPR, didn't he? But... Yeah, yeah. Just the Premier League a bit too much. How oh, well do you know? Do you know David Moyes? Frank, did you sort of come across him uh, too much in your in your career or anything? Nah, I seen him. I spoke to him a couple of weeks ago on the phone when it was just when he was not well. I gave him a phone. So the biggest surprise surprise he had was when because I got his number. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nah, he's, I just wanted to show him the best and see how he was. So yeah, he's in good spirits. So very happy with him at the moment. Good stuff. What uh, what do you make of of Jared Bowen? I think he's he's you know he's had loads of he's got loads of energy all the time, yeah. shuts people down, and, and he's full of running. I felt especially at the weekend, there's been rumours about his decision making and sort of wastefulness beforehand. Certainly at the weekend, I I was quite frustrated on a couple of occasions where, you know, the the chances where he he should have passed to Haller or laid Haller in and he took a shot, yeah. or the other times where. He should have had a shot, and he's he's tried the pass. It's just, is is that something you think will come, or, or do you think I'm just well, talking I think rubbish? I think it'll come. You know, I, I think he's I think he's done very well since he came in. To be honest with you, but he's got you know I, I don't know about the boy Ben Rama. Can he play in the right as well as the left? I don't know. That, that, yeah, know. I think he's just he's more of that number ten sort of role. I think, but I, yeah. I guess he's the left as well. He, he prefers the left. He could change that because I think he it's not going to be long. You know, Farnell's doing doing all right, you know, but he's going to be, he's got somebody, you know, creeping up behind him that's wanting a first team game. And uh, and I think the boy, if he gets in, it'll be hard for the manager to leave him out. And that's what competition's all about. You know, and that's, that's what I was saying about Hallaby. When Antonio, he's been out of the game for a little bit now. And all of a sudden you're thinking, this is my chance. And he, I don't think he's took it. I know he scored. I don't think he took his chance the way he should have. Um, which is disappointing because he's he definitely got touch and you know and he's got um he's got something there that he just needs to do more of it i think frank obviously west ham being eighth in the premier league now and we've all got all got nosebleeds not <laughs> not used to being this high in the <laughs> premier league at this stage of the season as, <laughs> yeah um i mean obviously we've already established that it's been a bit of a surprise uh this start of the season given the fixtures we've had but do you think that this this is the we're beginning to see the west ham that you know, we kind of all were hoping and kind of expect to see under David Moyes. And can, do you reckon we can push on and, and establish ourselves in at least the top 10? 
maybe even beyond well, that? I, th I think so. I think definitely. But the, the problem, you know, the, the good thing for these boys coming for the championship and that, they might, you know, with, with no crowd, it might suit them better. I, I feel mm. that there's a lot of players showing, showing their proper talents now, not just in, in West Ham, but all in the country. Because there's no fans, that they tend to be trying things that they wouldn't try when there's when there's crowds there, which is which is great. You know, they should be trying it when there's crowds there as well. They should have the confidence to do that. You know, I've got nothing mm -hmm. against that. It doesn't come off. You know, I think it's I think it's wonderful that the boys are trying things. And you know, hopefully when the crowds come back in, they're going to see a well-drilled West Ham team. You know, because it's already sitting watching it telly. And you get there in the atmosphere. You know, the adrenaline goes when you're when you're a player, and that's what. You know, that spurs you on. It might just give them that. The boys are doing all right at the moment, but they might play a lot better when the fans are in, when they've got that adrenaline going. In. You know, and here's hoping. Here's hoping because, yeah, I just hope there's only too many injuries. Mm. Uh, I don't know if they've got too deep a squad that could, yeah. like for like, come in. Because the, the first team's doing very well. As I say, the only thing I would change, and I think up to now, I don't know, I don't know you guys might know how, how long... Antonio's going to be out, but I would imagine he will, when he comes, he'll be back in. He'll not be back in right away. Trust me. Yeah. Well, to Frank, it's, it's funny. It's funny you mentioned that about the um, the Sebastian Hilaire, Mikhail Antonio situation. Obviously, Aston Villa next up on the Monday night football for West Ham next week. So we've got eight days to rest up, which is uh, you know an, an opportunity not many Premier League teams are getting at the moment. Certainly the ones who are in Europe this week. Not the same for Villa. They've, they've got decent rest of course as well but we asked as we do every week that we are West Ham listeners earlier and we put a poll out on Twitter hundreds of votes came back in from our listeners and it was a simple one we've asked it before but we have to ask it again given Haller's goal at the weekend we said if both Antonio and Haller are fit for the game against Aston Villa who would you start Haller Antonio or both and very rarely on the We Are West Ham polls is it so evenly split 34% say Sebastian Haller, just 30 saying Mikel Antonio. Well, 36% want to see both up front. I feel a little bit uncomfortable about both. You obviously paid, played in that partnership, but you, the whole system has to be built around two up front. And I think the five, the five at the back that is, has been the cornerstone for all that we've done yeah. good so far this season. Um, what, what do you make of, of sort of those results there well, and that situation as a whole on Monday, if Antonio's fit? Five, 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 three, two, something like <laughs> work out that way, you know. Um, I don't know. The, the, the fullbacks, you've got the fullbacks that want to go forward. And, and it looks like the, the two boys, you know, their engine is very good, you know. It looks like they're up and down that pitch. There's ways you could tweak that, you know. I definitely think I, I don't know if he'll play two. I don't know if he's there'll be there'll be times when he when he does that, but um, you know, it'd be, it'd be wonderful if you could get the two of them into that team, you know. I just I don't know who would drop out, um, but I just think I think it's what I didn't think we'd get these, these points up to now, so I'm delighted with it. And if, it, if it's one up front. Then I would play Antonio if, if he's fit. See, we don't see him every day. You, the manager will see him training every day, and um, and if he's if he's fit and, and he thinks like give me an give me an hour, because when you're playing up front, sometimes you need you need energy and you need to put people under pressure. You know, especially at, at Villa because they're going to come. They, they'll definitely be talent. So the midfield is going to be 
going to be that's where the game's going to be won. And uh, and you've got to, you've got to do things about that midfield. You've got to contemplate. Sorry, us going forward, you've got to stop them, and they've got some talented players. So I don't know how David will work it. I think he'll only play one. I, I really do think he'll, he'll play one up front. Um, might be wrong. I might be surprised. David, David Moyes might play too, but um, at this for this game, I think you know because they're quite they they get beat with Brighton, was it? I think they get beat last week with Brighton, didn't they? Yeah, Brighton, yeah. They were hopeless, but hopefully they continue that. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully they've got a bug or something. Let <laughs> <laughs> me go and take right. it. For me. You know, I'd be nice. Brighton, you mentioned. I think the answer to the is, I think I would play Antonio if he's fit. Yeah. Frank, you mentioned the two in the middle there, um, Suchek and Declan, Declan Rice. And yeah. Do you think that as much as that's one of our strengths away from home and particularly against other teams who maybe sit a bit deep and we can counter-attack and, and fly through the middle and fly out wide there, but do you think it could be something which is actually a bit of a hindrance for us at home? Because against Fulham, we saw that those two struggled to sort of dictate the tempo. Um, they don't really have the creativity of a 10 and the people in front of them we're just looking to counter and we sort of ran out of ideas very quickly in that game. Do you think that that's an area of the pitch that we... How many teams on? has he played? How many you guys have seen him? How many teams has he played with the three at the back? Is that, is that constantly? Because it looks like... After Newcastle, game, wasn't it? Game, yeah. 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 After Newcastle, he changed it because that was such a shambles. Yeah, well, it's a shambles. But I, I think, you know, I think if he could... Me, I like three in the midfield, especially against Villa. I play three right in the middle in midfield, Sushek, Rice, and another. You know, and it could be Ben Rama to help the striker. You know, I, mm. I don't know. Mm. I don't know why you would spend that money and not, not give the boy a chance and not play him. Um, mm. You know, he looks a talent. So, uh, you know, he gave he gave Bowen a chance. He gave him a run of games, and and he he came through. So I think he'll give Ben Rama, ben Rama a chance at some point, whether it's this game or not. I don't know. Yeah, that's the. I think. I think certainly after the last two games where Fornells and Bowen showed that they're not perfect, I think um, yeah. Ben Ram will certainly get a chance. Frank, before we move on and ask you, obviously it'd be rude of us not to, uh, criminal of us not to ask you about your career while you're here. But before we do that, just give us a quick score prediction for Villa, and I'll get one off the lads as well before we move on. Two one, two one to West Ham, Jonesy. I'm gonna go three one West Ham. Three Go one, on, very confident. <laughs> Thomas, hat trick of one nils. Patrick Hallock on. Yeah. He's gonna... Oh God. Sebastian Haller <laughs> with a one nil. I, you know what, Tom? I'm going to stick with you on that. I think we'll. It, it won't be as open as as people think. Villa will be. I think Villa will be quite happy if they manage to get a point. So uh, yeah, I'm going to back you on that, Tom, and I'll go one nil as well. Frank, while we've got you, as always. Um, she get asked about the boys of 86 all the time because, and there is a reason for that, because you are held up as an absolute legend among all West Ham fans, uh, even those of us, as you already mentioned, who might not have been young enough to see you play in person. I've had uh, more than enough tales and anecdotes from my dad um, to <laughs> to know quite how much you mean to all the supporters. You, you managed to hit it off. We had Tony Cotty on. A yeah. couple of weeks ago, Tony Gale was with us um, as well in in recent times, <laughs> and uh, that, that we, we meant talk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, we didn't have much time. <laughs> but you, you, um, you know, you we're talking about Haller and Antonio and partnerships yeah. and all that. What you had with Tony, you hit it off instantly in that eighty five eighty six season. Forty six league goals between you. <laughs> 
West Ham haven't really seen a partnership like it since. A couple have come close, but but nothing the same. What 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 is it about that? Because as much as the training pitch, do you just find someone uh, in your career every now and then, or just what is it that that happened there? Because it's just there's obviously there's only so much you can do on the training ground. There's just some unseen magic as well. You know, I, I, I'm a great I'm a great believer. Good good players can play with anyone. No, Tony was a good player. You know, it was it was Tony by far the most outright striker I've ever played with. You know, his I. His old vision is just scoring goals. That's all he wanted. And when we came in, the manager was so far ahead of his time, you know, John Lyle. These uh, these things that they're the rotations they're doing now, you know, the high press and all that. We'd done that in the eighties. You know, we'd <laughs> done that way back. I was a trigger when I went, everyone followed in. And you know, we copied they got lots of goals off that, you know, because there's not many Julian Dicks, you know, left backs or or that we could take a ball off and score. So it was it was quite good. I mean, it was uh, and Tony bought into that, you know. After a few games, we had a meeting, and, and Tony, we told Tony he's got to move, can't just poach. So, and he bought into it, and and all of a sudden the two of us went in this incredible. After the meeting, we went on a run, eighteen games, I think it was, unbeaten, which for West Ham's, you know, it was it was, it was great because. I've never so much drink bought for me every time I went out. <laughs> I didn't spend a penny. It was great. And for a job, that was quite good. But it was um, it was great to hear the stories. You know, everyone says that, you know, West Ham's got Christmas cards that come down three days after Christmas and all that kind of stuff. You know, they'd be down the league. And it was great. We were there right to the end, right to the final game of the season. So, it was great for the fans, but I just wish we'd, we'd won it. You know, but... It was one of them, and I'm going to be honest with you. I know everyone says the table, you know, always the winners always the best team. Well, Liverpool weren't the best team, you know, we were the best team that year. And I think that the the weather beat us. It was only we didn't play for six weeks, you know, and then we had to play Saturday, Mondays, and Wednesdays for about five weeks. And that's what it makes me laugh. All these players nowadays that saying they're tired and all that kind of nonsense. And I'm going, all we wanted to do was play football. And we only had a squad of fourteen or fifteen, so you know they've got they've got they've got two positions at each each team now. So I don't get all this, um, but it was wonderful. And as I said earlier, if you're enjoying it, and you could see that we we were really enjoying ourselves, um, we're having a great time. All the lads were so close, and we still are. We're very very close. So um, that shows you. It's normally teams that win. I'm close with the Celtic boys that won the double and all that. Normally it's teams that win, but you know the, the guys from '86 season was uh, very special to me. So we're very close as a as a unit, so and it's good fun. We, we meet up. It's as if you know we've not left the dressing room. You know, but little boys again, and, and Gailey takes over basically. <laughs> <laughs> Frank, you mentioned John Lyle there, and you know, yeah. he was a he was well before his time uh, mm-hmm. as a manager uh, and. I read earlier today that you, your decision to come back to West Ham and turn, instantly turn down Arsenal was was not just for your lovely club, but also to play for play for John Lyle again. Is that you know was he literally that much of a pull as a, as a manager? Because obviously everyone knows yeah, how much yeah, of a yeah. legend he was. Yeah, but the chance I had the chance to go to Arsenal, so they were going to win the league. West Ham, as John said in his words, he says we're getting relegated. Even you can't do anything about it. But I want you to lead, get us back up. And, Says, yeah, no problem. I can do that. So I knew we were getting relegated. You know, there's a chance that we could have stayed up. So I, I believed in that chance. And we beat Villa, believe it or not, <laughs> away. 
the first game that Paul Lynch scored, but you know, my first game back it was it was good. You know, unfortunately, West Ham went in a different direction. They sacked the manager. He should have been he should have been upstairs, and Billy Bonds and people like that should have took over. Instead, they got this idiot and like Lou McCarry, who was hopeless. You know, and <laughs> and he haunted me. Be honest with you guys, <laughs> I went to Celtic, mate, and he came to Celtic as well. So he must there. have liked you, Frank. <laughs> oh, my get my career. Listen, we we basically got him sacked at West Ham because the way he wanted to play football was not West Ham. It was nothing to do. It was nothing to do with anything that we'd ever been taught. You know, we we got the ball down and played, and he just wanted it launched, launched. And I'm I'm looking at Tony. I'm going. We're not the biggest in it. Strikers, you know, we're not Haller, you know, and <laughs> um, and it was one of them. It was just because Lubo was in goal, and he, he had a really good kick. But that was that was great when we get on the break, and I could I could outpace most of them. But uh, not every time, you know. Sometimes Gailey and Alvin wanted the ball, you know, and and it was uh, it, it was fine in Lubo for for rolling the ball out. You know, it was really that bad. And so they got they, the senior players, players spoke to the chairman, got rid of him, which was great because none is like him, you know. But, but I liked him as a guy, he was my hero growing up, you know, he was a wonderful football player. As a manager, he was just hopeless, you know. He was honestly, that's, that's me being nice about the guy. <laughs> it sounds it's it's pretty polite of you. He wanted me again, so yeah. <laughs> that was me. He moved me out, he left me out of the team. Celtic were going to play in Mark Hughes' testimonial. And they left me out of the team and they took a player that had nothing to do with Celtic. He had met him in the bookies or something. And he took this guy, he played with parties. This was a pal of mine. He had nothing to do with Celtic. He took him to Old Trafford and played, left me in Glasgow. He's, he's a horrible person. <laughs> Frank, in your um, second spell at West Ham, it obviously West we sadly got relegated and, and you had um, that terrible leg break injury. And how hard was that? At firstly in your career and coming back to West Ham, obviously you had massive high hopes and, and for it not to quite go the way you thought. How was that to, to get over as a, as a part of thing, your career? It, it was hard. It, it would have been a lot easier, to be honest with you guys. As I say, if, if Lou wasn't there, it would have been a lot easier. But Lou, um, you know, he, came, he wanted me to stay in Stoke. My place, he wanted me to stay there. You know, the guy says I'll never walk properly again at the, at the hospital. So I told him, hey, you know, where to go. <laughs> and I thought somebody's going to finish my career. He says, I said, I want somebody in London and I want a decent surgeon. So I had to get the base Stewart with me and he phoned the, the physio and the, and the coach came and picked us up, you know, the bus. And they, they strapped my leg and took me to Roding's Hospital down in London, down at um, Essex, I think it was. And uh, I was in there, I got in there about, I don't know, 12 o'clock or something. And uh, the surgeon came to see me about half one and he says, I'll fix it. <laughs> and I'm saying, but the guy in, the guy in Stokes is, I'll not be able to walk properly. He says, the guy in Stokes that works in accident and emergency, he says, did nothing to do with, with injuries like that. He would have just strapped me up and got sent me on the way. So that's how bad Louis McCarry was, you know, and he came in to see me. And I got the okay to start training, lads. I would have been back before Christmas. I thought I was going to be back before Christmas. And I got the okay to start back training. Christmas Day, or Christmas Eve, I got the okay. And Lou McCarry got me in on Christmas Day and gave me a four-mile road run. I hadn't trained since August. I hadn't done anything since August. And he gave me a four-mile road run. My ankle just blew up again. So, you know, what can I say? Not, 
not good stuff. There's Frank, a reason before... why I don't like them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be honest, Frank. It does come through. Yeah, does it? Does it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Frank, I just I'd have been back for January or February if it wasn't for that. You know. Once I got my fitness back, I would have been ready, but you don't give some death. And it was a road run, it wasn't even on the grass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not 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 good. Frank, before before we yeah. uh, before we let you go, we've kept you for longer than we said we would already. It's absolutely brilliant yeah, having really. you on the podcast. But um just uh, you, I know you've got a, a million and one, I'm sure, but can you just give us your funniest story off the top of your head that's broadcastable? Oh god, off the top of my head. Um, no, I can't really. No, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Even the hard broadcastable. I'm thinking the hard, yeah. No, nah, it was good. Listen, we, we always. We Did you to, know you were some part of something special at the time, though? Hey, thanks. Yeah, you know, it was it was it was very good. Um, we did know with some. We, we knew we had a good team, but we didn't get. We didn't have it right the first couple of games. And uh, you know, as I say, we had the meeting, and because we knew there was there was there was something about it, you know. And Alan Davis, or what a he was the best player I probably played with, and and he was out injured for two years. I mean, my God, what kind of player was he before he got injured? So yeah, it was just it was just I just loved everything about you know about London, and I loved everything about West Ham. John Lyle was was like my dad, really. And the, the best thing about it was John Lyle was. Everyone says he's a lovely guy, but you don't cross him. You know, I'll get a quick example. John, but John Lay was like, I was playing with Scotland, and and then Saturday we were playing. All my mates came down, played with Scotland in midweek. And all my mates came down to London the weekend, and and we all went out. And normally on a Monday, if you, if my mates come down from Glasgow, I'm I'm usually hungover on a Monday, so I normally phone in, and you get Tony Carr or you know Ronnie Boyce or something, Mick McGivern. Or the physio, Rob Jenkins, to say, look, not well. Tell the gaffer I'm not going. I'm not going to be in today. Yeah, no problem. And uh, but this time I phoned up. I've got bodies all over my house. <laughs> and my flat is a flat I had in Brentwood. And, and uh, anyway, I phoned in, and it was John that answered the phone. And I thought, oh my god. So I'm, I put the voice on. I went, oh John, not well. And he's going, I don't sound too clever, son. I'm like, no, I'm not feeling. I don't know what it is. Maybe an excitement from midweeks going for Scotland and all that and all that noise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He says, but you've got BBC ITV cameras, got big lorries here for an interview. They're up doing interviews with you today. And I says, oh, John, I can't deal with it. Can you deal with it? No problem, son. So I'm by bed. I swear to guys, 40 minutes later, ding, ding, ding. I heard all this noise. I've looked out the window. He sent all the trucks up to my house. <laughs> <laughs> John had sent all the lorries, BBC, ITV, even STV cameras were coming up. This little flat in Brentwood, there was lorries out the street in the car park. It was incredible. I'm I'm hoovering up people from from my living room. I'm going get in the bedroom, in the bedroom. I'm shoving everyone in the bed. Only the need two bedroom flat, and they're all in the bedrooms. And I'm trying to do an interview in the living room. It was incredible. That was that was dear old John John Lyle. Brilliant. What? What a story, what a man. He asked, he asked me to deal with it, so I dealt with it, son. I said, yeah, brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful, <laughs> wonderful times. Frank, it's been an absolute pleasure. I really do appreciate you joining us, but wonderful, absolute wonderful, pleasure, wonderful yeah, stories. Exactly, absolutely, yeah. And it's it's wonderful to hear, I think, for us a lot, certainly, and everyone listening at home, the the unit, the unity that you and uh, and the boys have still got. It's been a pleasure having you 
on this week. Frank, we hope to have you on again as the season progresses, as we're talking about our uh, hopeful uh, road to the Champions League. But stay with us. That was Frank McAvenny, legend from the boys of 86. And stay with us because it's the Betway Charity Bets next. Well, what a guest. Frank McAvenny there, West Ham legend, icon of the boys of 86 season. And what a story that is about waking up in his flat, surrounded by him and his hungover mates and having three TV lorries turning up at his front door to chat to him about football. Absolutely great stuff from Frank there, lads. And uh, yeah, Mr McAvenny, some some quiet optimism as well for Monday night's game against Villa. Him going for the 2-1 win James are you saying three one one nil each for me and Tom so optimistic that the Hammers are going to get it over the line again we'll speak to TV presenter and Aston Villa fan Tim Wildwood next to get his view on the opposition view of course but first of all it's the Betway charity bet section and I've done about you two but I'm getting a little bit disgruntled with this part of the show now me and Jones and Tom for any of you new listeners at home who don't know what the Betway charity bet section is Betway are giving us £50 each per West Ham game uh, to have a bet on the game and any winnings we get from those bets go to three West Ham charities that me and the lads are playing for I'm playing for Bobby Moore Fund James for the DT38 Dylan Tom Beattie's foundation and Tom for Isla's fight. We've got a few hundred quid on the board already. Betway have kindly agreed to double whatever we win at the end of the season. So it's going okay, but we were agonizingly close again this week to getting money on the board. I went super, super cagey. I went West Ham to win or draw under 3.5 goals in each team to get at least one card and I got the the first two bits obviously and somehow there was zero bookings in the game of football I mean if you're a Sheffield United fan and you're ever won for a million years or however long it was you'd want at least to show a bit of fight wouldn't you and pick up a yellow or two <clears throat> excuse me but I thought Ogbonna he was good for one I thought, surely he's, he loves a bit of needle against Ollie McBurney up front. One card each. I think my the odds were seven to four. And somehow, I still haven't pulled that in. Obviously, got the first two elements. Jonesy, you had four nails to score, over 1.5 goals and over 2.5 cards. So, all three of your elements lost. Tom, you had Jared Bone to score, over 2.5 cards and over 8.5 corners. I'm led to believe there was only eight corners yeah. in the game. So, not a single element of yours either apparently lads i don't know i, I thought i was um i, I didn't realize i was the only one that was close tom despairing for you because you're still yet to win an actual bet for isla's fight this season yeah it's uh it's a bit of a headbanger at the minute obviously i'll keep harking on but that leicester one which would have brought in but quite a heavy amount of money actually for both me and jonesy was chalked off by var so if there's any and last week I'm trying to go a bit more conservative, look into it a bit more, but it's just it's just not dropping. Like you say, to not get a booking in the West Ham Sheffield United game is just ridiculous. Like just stupid. Where, where are they at? Where are these crunching tackles from Aaron Cresswell we used to see? He's gone all foreign. He's gone nice fancy pansy, hasn't he? Someone <laughs> <Excuse> me, <laughs> too many lessons off half a massive argument. That's the problem. Jonesy, yeah. you've you've gone with Bar- Bowen to score again. The card's not even close. Um no, sorry, you went with four nails to score. Uh, over 1.5 goals didn't come in no cards either just what's going on yeah I'm kicking myself a little bit because I, I did I did in my head 
think Haller would be a good shout, but I went for four nows for purely for the odds, thinking it might just bump the odds up a little bit if I had four nows as, as a goal scorer. And you know, but even if I had had Haller, I still wouldn't have won the bet. So yeah, it doesn't really make much difference. But um, yeah, it's getting a little bit frustrating. It's been what four weeks now since a win. I think it's four or five weeks. Um, so getting a little bit frustrated, um, eager to get some more money up on the board now. Absolutely. Well, look, I don't know if it's worth saying this bit or not, but for our Aston Villa bets this week, as you can with all of these bets that me and the lads uh, mention every week, you can actually go onto the Betway website and app to uh, go in the pre-built bets section and scroll down there and you'll find the We Are West Ham podcast bets with mine, Tom's and James's name against them and you can put your own money uh, on those charity bets if you like. Um, this week I've gone, well when I put it this way, when I put it in the WhatsApp group earlier on to Chad from Betway to let him know what our selections were, Ahead of next Monday's game, James Jones just replied with three cry-laughing emojis. I just want to win some money. So I've gone West Ham, <laughs> double chance, less than 5.5 total goals and less than 15.5 corners <laughs> in the game. Bearing in mind, we do have to pick three selections for these Betway bets. So I can't see it being a high scorer. Again, I think it'll be similar pattern to last week. I do think we'll get something out of the game. And the less than 15.5 corners, they're just so unpredictable these days that I thought I'd go nice and safe. The odds will be rubbish, but I just want to get a few more quid uh, in the bag for the Bobby Moore fund, if possible. So all I'm hoping I really need is a West Ham win or draw out of that. Jonesy, what have you gone for this week? Uh, West Ham to win or draw, both teams to score, and uh, Thomas Suchek to to bag a goal as well. I think he loves a home goal. Nick um, Nick's the winner against Fulham and missed that absolute sitter, didn't he, at Bramwell Lane at the weekend from that Haller uh, header. I mean, just still can't believe he, he tried it and it was right foot because he healed it <laughs> about 10 yards wide from three yards out. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> mental. Um, but he'll want to he'll, he'll put that right, won't he? And um, yeah, and, and I don't think we'll, we'll get beat. But it's going to be it'll be a tight game, and Villa Villa obviously got Ollie Watkins up front, so they're going to be dangerous going forward, even without Ross Barkley in midfield. So I fancy them to score, but I do fancy us to avoid defeat. So yeah, um, Suchek's in there just to bump the bump the odds up a little bit because I'm not going to play as safe as you, mate. No, <laughs> okay. Well, uh, we'll see what happens next week when West Ham win, but they win seven four, and my less than five point five total goals looks silly. Then, uh, Thomas, what have you gone with? I've gone both teams to score, uh, West Ham to win, and over eight point five corners. I mean, the corners have have been my kryptonite the last few weeks, but I've given them one more one more chance to help me out. And then, yeah, I think as much as I said, I think it'll be one nil um, a few times on the show today. I just you never know, and I think they might hurt us on the break. But I think they'll. I think one of the sides will win this game. I think it'll be quite an open game. Both sides have nothing to lose and go for it. I guess in terms of where we are in the league and looking to push on. So I expect us to to be the side to be to the ones who nick it really. And just fingers crossed we get something in because it's long, long overdue for me now. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Well, as a like I said, as a reminder, you can go if you like the sound of those bets. You can go on the Betway. Uh, app and website under pre-built bets and have those and fingers crossed to some money for some money 
for the West Ham charity bets after Villa's game on Monday night. But stay with us because we'll dis- be discussing all of those selections and whether we've got any chance with Tim Wildwood, TV presenter and massive Aston Villa fan, next. So the Betway charity bets there, me and the boys absolutely desperate to win some cash for our West Ham charities. It's been a while and we were so close last week, but uh, fingers crossed we can do it this week against Aston Villa. And I'm delighted to say that joining us to discuss that Aston Villa game Monday night at the London Stadium for our Opposition View segment is TV presenter and massive Villa fan Tim Wildwood. Tim, thanks very much for joining us. Villa are 7th, West Ham are 8th. You're just a point ahead of us. Everyone seems to think you've had an outstanding season so far. We are getting some plaudits, but a little bit more under the radar. First of all, what have you made of uh, Villa's start this season? Obviously, both teams in that end of season relegation decider last year we just about escaped it you managed to do it at the london stadium and now all of a sudden yeah i was gonna say i know look at both of us mate uh, yeah what a turnaround it's one of them isn't it it's do you know what's funny to hear you say that then like exactly like we've according to everybody else we're we're having an amazing season and yet you're a point behind us right there and yet you're right you're getting there's a few a few bits, but certainly no one's shouting about West Ham the same way, are they? But um, I think it's basically because we ended up last year with quite a team of misfits, didn't we? And and mm. properly scraped it, you know, properly, properly scraped it. So I think that's probably why we... Um, we but, the, but this season, weird season, man. I mean, I'm sure you boys have probably been talking about lack of fans and stuff. But I think for the Villa, it's just been... Um, We've just taken some big scalps, and, and that's all it's been. We've lost against the rubbish teams, but we've managed, <laughs> we've managed to win against the big teams, and I think that's why everybody's perhaps, you know, showering us in glory. I hope that holds for next week. Yeah. 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 Well, mate, it'll be a draw, won't it? We always seem to draw, don't we? Can't remember. I can't remember what we what we was last time. Was it, it was Jones? one all, no, was one all last week, wasn't it? Park. Last season. Yeah. Yeah. Tim, I think the the one thing that I think from from my point of view, in my head, you build it up, don't you, as a football fan, uh, over a long period of time. I've built it up that I quite like playing against Villa. I feel like in my head we always sort of beat them and always do well. I don't know whether that's necessarily true or not, but I was especially at home. I seem I've had obviously had a season ticket for a long time. I seem to remember doing well against them quite a lot. Is there that feeling uh, among Villa fans that West Ham are somewhat of a bogey team, or not particularly? Am I just again talking nonsense? So yeah, so so yeah, exactly. So I'm all my family are Villa fans. We're from North Birmingham, so we're all kind of Villa fans here. But my uncle, believe it or not, is a West Ham fan and he's a season ticket holder. And it's always, it is always that, that, that you're our bogey team a little bit. Um, and you do always put in a bit of a performance against us, don't you? I'm, I'm pleased to hear that because I thought I was just rambling on and going, no, <laughs> people love playing West Ham. What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. No, you do. You always Tim. step up and... and and do well against us from what i remember it's never a, it's never a, a walkover i'm trying to think i genuinely can't yeah i think was it james just said then it was it last year nil nil and one all yeah we, i, I was yeah. at the game at villa park yeah. last season as well and it was you were by far the better team and uh it was a nil you definitely should have won we were lucky to get a point there but tom sorry carry on 
Just going to say, Tim, we can't speak about Villa and not talk about Jack Greenish. I think that's pretty much goes hand in hand at the minute. But I watched him on the weekend against Brighton and obviously he's coming off the back of being unbelievable hype and rightly so. He's, he's a brilliant, brilliant footballer. But is there a sense of worry in the Villa fans' ranks that maybe all this pressure and all this attention could actually impact him? Because he looked tired. He looked a bit he emotionally drained last they? 20 minutes. He, he did. did. He really did. Like, he did, yeah. Well, obviously, you must be proud. And then Bar- Barkley's injured. So Barkley's out. Well, I read mm. today, Barkley's out for two weeks. And so we moved Jack from where he's been most dangerous. We moved him into mm. the middle. And he was definitely less effective, I think, there. And so he's got that pressure. He's got that pressure to kind of fill Ross's shoes a little bit now. Carry the team anyway. Plus all the yeah <laughs> plaudits and stuff. And, and he, he has said, he's come out and he said he loves it. And he thrives on mm. the pressure. But I don't know. You've got to think, haven't you? Like... Can you really? Can you really thrive on that? It's a lot. Carry a team. You know, he's, he does carry the team at times. It, and, it, feels, and... it feels less like that this season, Tim. The last yeah. season, it felt like it was Jack Grealish FC against yeah, man, everyone give else. Give him the ball. Save the game for us. Yeah, yeah. But Absolutely. you seem like Ollie Watkins, I think, is a brilliant sign. And you just yeah. seem a little bit more compact and like a proper football, like 11 players rather than yeah, just yeah, one yeah. and 10 blokes. Well, we had, you know, Trezeguet last year wasn't playing, wasn't wasn't a mate, wasn't... He had some good performances, but this year he's really putting, seems to be putting a shift in. So he's playing well. Um, yeah, the back four, well, yeah, apart from obviously last week, um, Brighton, but, the, you know, they're, 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 we had some, we've had some really decent clean sheets. Martinez has come in, you goalkeeper, he's hit the ground running, he's playing really well. So you're right, we, we definitely have more of more of 11 players playing. But it was funny against Brighton, classic Villa fan, that niggling kind of, oh, we're going to bloody stuff this now. And and it's, it starts to creep in, but yeah, I, maybe we're just a bit tired. Yeah, you're right, maybe we just needed a bit more training ground time, get over the international break and, and just kind of get a bit of focus again, I reckon, maybe. Tim, we'll just mention there with Ollie Watkins being a great sign. Obviously, we we were we were linked with him quite heavily, and then he just rocked yeah. up at the wrong club wearing claret and blue, in my eyes. Um, <laughs> the wrong claret and blue. That's it. But do, do you think that do you think that is like talking about Jack Grealish carrying teams, having a confident striker, a striker that knows where the back of the net is? I mean, I would say he's probably. The best uh, and most consistent striker at Villa had probably since what Benteke, maybe Agbon Lahore. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And the, the Villa WhatsApp group's been saying that. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. <laughs> but having having that having that striker there really imp- really strengthens your ability to to hit like improve in, in in the Premier League. Given like given the last few years, you've struggled struggled to get out the Championship. You had, you had Tammy Abraham on loan. Struggled last year without him, and now you've got mm. someone that can actually score the goals. Absolutely, yeah. Couldn't couldn't agree more. I think we had. I think we, if you could win the uh, the watch it the transfer window, I think it's safe to say Villa won the transfer window. We we yeah, just some brilliant signings and and actually you know there was a bit of doubt about Ollie Watkins coming in, but again, man, he's he's brilliant. He's so brilliant and he's so strong. He looks scrawny and he's not. He's he's yeah, he's been a quality signing for us. A lot of money considering from a championship mm. team, but um. No, he was, he, yeah, love him. You're right, he, he's got a bit of uh, that kind of Benteke folk, folklore about him. He's he's come in and all of a sudden we've got a good striker. And it's nice that he's got that, you know, even when he didn't score for a game or two, he's still trying, he's still having pop, you know, 
popping shots off and, and, and even though they're not going in, it's nice to see that confidence just when you've got a young striker that's good and, yeah, love it. It's exciting. So, it's exciting. Someone who, yeah, someone who's not letting a couple of bad games affect his confidence too much. Yeah. I do. Um, yeah, I think there's certainly a lot of teams in the Prem looking at Ollie Watkins with envious eyes. Uh, Tim, Throwing to the game on Monday night, obviously. Yeah. Are you what sort of a game are you expecting? Are you expecting it to play out? Because I was saying after you know that that result against Brighton, it's classic, isn't it? Especially as you've had a good season, fans of clubs the size of West Ham and Villa always go, "Oh, you should be beating Brighton." Blah blah blah. Yeah. We've all heard it. But teams like that win games in a season here or there, don't they? And they're you know that that does happen. But what? How do you see it going? On Monday night, because I've got half a feeling that you wouldn't you wouldn't be too disappointed with a draw, and that it might be a bit of a cagey game. I've, t- I've just told the the Villa, I've just told the lads on the Villa chat on my WhatsApp group that I'm coming on to chat to you boys, and uh, I was like, what you know predictions, and they're all like, we're gonna win, we're definitely gonna win. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I don't if I go against them now, they're gonna say, uh, in fact, another one's just come in. Here you go, John. Here, what the, the live from yeah, the chat? L- I know what live here, yeah. Here we go. With Barkley, really fancied the win without probably a draw. And that's from Roy. And Roy knows what he's talking about. That's um, from Roy. Cannot see Traore starting. Barkley's definitely out for two games. <gasps> oh, no. Chizzy's just... saying, I think we can still beat West Ham. Dave, <laughs> and, and Dave. Dave's saying we can still beat West Ham as well. So, Dave, know, Dave and... Do you know what? I'd, I hate to say this. And I hate people that say this. But I take a draw now. I think... I think we need a point. We need. We just need a. We need a good performance again. One of them exciting performances where we just we play some good football. We try and, and we you know maybe get a goal, but but just not lose. Tom, what do you, Tom? What do you mm. think of uh, of? Oh, I mean, obviously, great insight live from Birmingham from Dave and Chiz there. But uh, what, <laughs> what what do you what do you make of of that, mate? Do you could would you be disappointed at the end if if as Tim says that we we end up with a draw at the end of it? Because they have been good Villa this season, mm. haven't they? But without those big-name players in there, you kind of think they're there for the taking, maybe? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, obviously, like teams just said, they've improved. They have. You've improved massively this season. Of course you have, but so have we. And um, I think there's no reason to suggest on paper we're a better... For me, obviously, our bias, we're very, there's very little between the two sides, but I'd always fancy us. I think we've got a little bit more than them. We've got more experience in the league. It's not our first roadie and they're missing some of their big players. So I think I'd like to say I fancy us going into the weekend's game. But at the end of the day, I think we take a point at the same time as well. I wouldn't be heartbroken because they've had a good start. They're a good side and it will just keep building momentum for us. And um, they can hurt you. They seriously can. Watkins on the break will be a massive threat and Jack Grealish always. So I think it, it could be one of those games which really hangs on a knife edge for majority of it. And the type of game where first goal could actually see, see that home. Mm. Absolutely. Well, me and you have gone for 1-0 in our score predictions. James Jones would be a far more bolshy going for a 3-1. But West Ham legend Frank McAvenny said 2-1 as well. So there's a, it's confident this side. Tim, I don't know if, you're, if you've got any live score predictions mate, from mate, Big Dave and Big Cheese. Do you want to know what Uncle Ron has just come in with? Uncle <laughs> Ron he has gone. 3-1 Villa, Watkins, Grealish and Harahan to score. So there you go. Harahan, blimey. Yeah. I mean, that's again, you can't beat this, James, can you, really, from Uncle Ron there? Uncle Ron. He's, he's got it the wrong way round. He's got it the, the wrong way round. The wrong way round, yeah. The wrong way round. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, um, 
I think this is a, a We Are West Ham podcast first, though, Tim. Live score predictions from not only the opposition view guests, but also his, uh, his Aston Villa or any team. What's Half of the whole end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tim, now now we've heard from a couple of your family members and most of your mates. Uh, what's your score prediction for Monday night? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go one all. One all. One all. Ollie Watkins to put one in for the Villa. So I think James, uh, James Jones, you've been the least sensible of all the guesses we've had so far on the We Are West Ham podcast, and that includes Uncle Ron, Dave, and just, Cheers. Just but confident, t- just confident. That's what two wins does, yeah. Two wins, two clean yeah, sheets. Just yeah. get ahead of ourselves. Absolutely. Well, Tim, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. You and uh, all the gang will be sure to get um, Uncle Ron. I mean, what a belter of a name that is. What a belter. <laughs> I'll, uh, oh, yeah, we'll be sure brother. to. Sure to get the um, the numbers of uh, of all the lads off of you afterwards, but we really appreciate you coming on. That's Tim Warwood, TV presenter and big Aston Villa fan there for the opposition view ahead of West Ham v Villa next Monday night at the London Stadium. But stay with us because next up, James Jones is the quiz master for Name That Game. You are still listening to the We Are West Ham podcast and that was Tim Wildwood, TV presenter and Aston Villa fan, giving us his prediction. One all, Tim went for them for the game next Monday night at the London Stadium. Just absolutely buzzing, Tom. I don't know about you, to hear from Uncle Ron. What a legend. What a legend, mate. He's clearly he's clearly seen a bit. He's seen a bit. He's been around the block. It's it's not his first rodeo or something like that. He came in at the right moment. He, he knows the cameras. He knows where everything is. He, Uncle Ron's strikes again absolutely we'll do our level best to get Uncle Ron on later in the season Jonesy you said it in the off uh, in the little break there why can't all opposition view guests be like Tim live updates from his WhatsApp group yeah we need more <laughs> of that don't we we need that we, I mean we should we should bring that in to get all our mates involved as well forget the opposition view <laughs> uh, might, might make it a little bit more exciting um, but yeah no, it, was, it was great great op overview uh, guest wasn't he Absolutely, absolutely. That's what you get, obviously, when you get a TV presenter on board. But enough of that. We are back to, of course, name that game. James Jones, you are Quizmaster this week. It's Tom Edwards up next week. And somehow, somehow, you're even further ahead, Jonesy, than you were last week. James Jones on 18 points, Tom Edwards on 12, and me now bottom of the leaderboard with just 11 points points not good at all but Jonesy have you got a big one for us this week got a whopper an absolute whopper <laughs> it's um it's brilliant um yeah yeah um I don't I think can't, I can't even it. remember I'd normally write it down but I can't even remember what last week's one was last week's one yeah what was last remember. week's can't remember what it was I can't even remember it uh, it was it was obviously too riveting. I know we had Leeds the week before. It was nil nil Bristol. It was that nil nil, wasn't it? Bristol City. Nil nil Bristol City. That's why I couldn't remember it. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, couple of bonus points in there for you two last week. But Jonesy, over to you this week. I've got two weeks to put some points on the board, and I want to get going as quickly as possible. So let's have it. Okay, so I've actually just changed my obscure fact at the very, very last minute. I've literally just hastily googled the match report for this game to to find. I was arming an R in over which one to use, and I've just read the one I was going to use and thought, no, that's a bit of a giveaway. That so here's the obscure okay. facts. The the new obscure facts 
which is uh, in this game, it was just the third time in Premier League history West Ham came from two goals down to win. Oh, I know. Tommy, you got to go scoreline. Uh, two, three. That is incorrect. Oh. oh. Uh, I'm going to go four, three. That is correct. Oh, <laughs> back of the net. Say correct. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we need time. I need to give. Uh, need you to give me an opposition goal scorer. Four oh, three. He hasn't got a clue. He hasn't got a clue. <laughs> I haven't got a clue. Um, <laughs> Dean Winter. Oh no, that's a different game. Um, <laughs> what did you say? Time. He's gonna say Dean Windass. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking Bradford game. I was thinking the five four to be fair, but no. That was that was one of the the three. To be yeah, fair, exactly. I thought it was Everton when you said it. Everton when Pye came up. Um, that, that was the other one. Come on, Tom. There's got to be a time limit on this thing, Jonesy. Crespo. Incorrect. <laughs> what a shout. <laughs> Incorrect. Um. Uh. Uh. Oh. Oh. Uh. Ah. Oh. Andy Carroll? Incorrect. Oh. There's me thinking, I thought you had it, mate. No, I thought I had it, but I obviously don't. <laughs> so, West Ham goal scorer? No, that was my guess for that, so it's Tom's guess on West Ham, yeah. Um, Diafrasako? Incorrect. Uh, Frank Lampard? Incorrect. Oh, no, this is a nightmare. Minute. No, 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 it's me, it's me. Need a stadium, uh, Upton no? Park. Incorrect. Ah, oh, no! Oh, a shambles. Nah, this is serious. Come on, Tom. Oh, need, um... need a, need, need a, uh, a stadium, mate. Here we go. Um... This is shambolic. Absolutely this is shambolic. Villa um, Park. Sorry? Villa Park. Incorrect. Come on, boy. <laughs> uh, Come on. I'm going to ask you for an opponent now, but at this stage, you're not going to get it. I'm, I am nowhere for this. Oh, blimey. I I thought I had it with the Andy Carroll thing, but... Oh, I think I've got it. Uh, right. I'm yeah. going to go... Uh, I know it Tottenham. now. Incorrect. Oh no! I get go, yeah. Yep. Huddersfield. Bang on! Yes, he's levelled it. He's levelled it. He's levelled it. So now I need the season. Now this could be the winner for this week. Uh, One all. Two thousand and hang on, yeah, two thousand and eighteen, nineteen. That is correct. Ah. That was oh, thank God. That was a shame. He's, he's won it at the death. He's won it at the was death. That Chicharito? Yeah. It was, yeah. West Ham four, Huddersfield three. Chicharito off the bench with two goals in the last five minutes. It was the third oh, time in Premier League history yeah, we'd come from, come from two goals down to win a football match. Uh, obviously See, I, thought, I was thinking far, like loads further back than that. That was my problem there. See, the other obscure fact I had was that um, Samir Nasri... Um, played his last. That was his last appearance for West Ham, and it was that he came off the bench to play a key role 
um, in his last appearance and obviously he got the assist for Hernandez's first goal. But I thought if I say Samir Nasri, so that just closes the window for when the game is. Yeah, so yeah, I, I agree. It. I, I agree. Well, I, I, like, I like that. I was thinking way for a two further back there. But, I uh, so that team Jonesy. Well, <laughs> Tom's absolutely furious. If you haven't ever watched this podcast on YouTube before, now would be the time to do it. Tom Edwards absolutely tearing his gorgeous hair out. Uh, Jonesy, how does that um, leave the scores? A 2-1 victory for me there. Can you update everyone? So that leaves um, you both, Will and Tom, both on 13 and uh, myself still on 18. So a couple of low scoring weeks the last couple of weeks. Mm, absolutely so, Good uh, stuff. I'm, still, I'm still well ahead yeah mm. annoyingly so six points clear Jonesy and uh, yeah I needed to pick up a few more then but nice nice uh, nice one all the same and uh, by the way I will just uh, remind you that after that game I know you love giving me stick about this but after that game I was furious <laughs> bet you <laughs> the hardest being 3-0 down to Huddersfield in the worst team almost in Premier League history I was absolutely seething I was not joining in with the joy about coming back to win 4-3 after that one. But stick with us because next up, I'm delighted to say we have got Kate Longhurst, West Ham midfielder, or the West Ham women midfielder. We've got her dad, Jeff, joining us to give us some insight into Matt Beard's departure from the women's team last week. Uh, Of course, we'll look ahead to the Chelsea game and we'll hear how the squad have reacted to the decision to let Matt Beard go or for Matt Beard to walk away. So that's Jeff Longhurst, dad of West Ham women midfielder Kate and lifelong Hammers fan as well. Coming up next. So name that game there and we're there already we're at the end of the show the final segment the West Ham women's section what a show we've had so far Frank McAvenny West Ham legend on to chat all things West Ham some great anecdotes about the boys of 86 Tim Wildwood the Aston Villa fan and TV presenter to look ahead to next Monday night's game but now I'm delighted to say that we are joined by Jeff Longhurst who is a massive West Ham fan himself but also his daughter is midfielder for the West Ham women Kate Longhurst. Jeff it's absolutely brilliant to be joined by you tonight. It's been a huge week for the West Ham women's team and Matt Beard obviously head coach was has left his job. It was a it was a mutual decision I think we're all it was made quite clear when Matt left, it was mutual. Some really nice messages being exchanged from fans, players and the club. It was all very, very amicable in the end. But uh, what did you make of that, first of all? First of all, let us know. Sort of, You've known Matt for quite a long time, haven't you? Yeah, that's right. Well, first of all, thanks for having us on. Um, Pleasure. Matt, I've known Matt for about nine years, I suppose, through Chelsea, Liverpool and then West Ham, where Kate played. But um, he is such a nice bloke. He's a genuine person. Uh, he doesn't give you any, you know, bob you off with anything. He will tell it how it is. But he's got so much sort of care for the players as well, as individuals and as a team. Uh, and he looks after them as it's one of his family, really. Well, so, Jeff, what, 
West Ham, West Ham won, didn't they? Four nil over Charlton, Championship side Charlton in the League Cup last Wednesday, which came off the back of the Brighton defeat in the WSL. But before that, they'd got two good wins, and there was a little bit of positivity coming back into the team and the squad. What did you make of of the decision to, or the the decision on both parts for for Matt to leave? What did you make of that? Did you see it coming, or was it something that um, you were pretty surprised about? Yeah, I, th- I think most people thought it would happen um, because of the bad results we've had this season. But with the timing, I mean, obviously he actually resigned before the Charlton game, but kept it until after that so he could see that game through. Is that what happened? Yeah. So, um, but he hadn't told all the players before, <laughs> only a, a couple. Yeah, well, what did you... It's a shame because they've built a big squad up there now. Uh, as I was saying to you before about the perhaps it's too many overseas players and not enough homegrown. I think that's where the biggest sort of problem is. Mm. Uh, and getting them to blend in, you know, because every season it's a brand new team. Jeff, do, do, do you think it was just a case that he just didn't think that, that there was a way forward with that squad or he, he felt as if he'd taken them as far as he could? Because obviously. You know, he's had a few good, really good years there. Um, is it literally just a case of brick wall, can't take this squad any further um, and just sort of pass it on to someone who potentially might be able to? Yeah, in a way, um, the way I'd explain it, I think anyway, is that he thinks he's let the team down himself because he's not getting the best out of them. Um, he's a very honest person. And I think what really is needed is yeah, we need more funding, but look mm. at the men's team. So, you know, it's not going to happen. Uh, but we've got extra funding this season to get all the other players in. But it's yeah, he he was honest enough to think, well, hold on, I've got a good enough squad here to compete. We're losing a lot of games, uh, and I think he thought this is probably the best thing for both sides for me to go, and also for the team. Jeff, looking forward, how and to the last week, it's obviously a tough week for a lot of those players who played with him, got to an FA Cup final with him and achieved a lot. How, what is the, how are they going to get over this and cope with it and sort of move on and obviously crack on with the rest of the season? Because luckily they've got the weekend off now um, until the 6th, I believe. So how, how can they look to bounce back and they've got to start with Chelsea, I guess. Chelsea away on the sixth. Yeah. Um, well, they're all professional for a start. And, you know, mm. they're all trained that way and they should be able to mm. cope with it. I mean, it's not exactly the ideal game. Yeah. Face <laughs> the first game after that happening, where they lost 8-0 there last season. It's not an easy one. One of the worst days I've ever seen. But um, <laughs> uh, I'm sure as individuals and a team, they'll rally together. Uh, but I don't know what's happening with a you know, new manager mm. coming in or anything like that. So I don't know mm. where they are with that process. Uh, and that will take, if they can get anyone this time of the year. You know, I don't know who's out there that's sort of available at the so moment. Jeff, Jeff, you'll obviously have the, a, you know, a, a first-hand view of it. But how have the squad reacted to the news? Because he was obviously well thought of oh, yeah. within that team. How's, how's it gone down? Um, they're all very sad. Because they are, they all feel like they're part of his family. Um, they will miss him, but they're also, as I said before, professional enough to know that 
they've just got to get on with it now. And perhaps a clean break sometimes is a good thing. It could be good for the team. And they've just got to push on now. And I, I was looking at the fixtures today. You know, they've got 15 games left. And really, you'd say eight of those are winnable. Um, I'm, you know, obviously, like the top four, you're going to near not right off, but not really got to have much chance of picking up points. So, but they've got some games that are very winnable. So I don't think they'll go down. I think they're too good to go down. I've been said a few times, but. <laughs> Yeah, with that, obviously Bristol City are at the bottom at the moment. There's only one team who get relegated from the WSL. So like you say, you would hope that they've got enough definitely to stay up. And I think no one's really too concerned about that side of things. But you mentioned when we were having a chat before, you mentioned that the spirit among the squad this season may not be quite what it was last year. You've mentioned some new faces in. What can you sort of tell us about that? Um, yeah, I mean, last season, I think the squad they had, it was, they just bonded so well. And that doesn't happen very often in teams. Um, so I think it was sort of better than you could have even expected last season. Whereas this season, it's just mellowed a bit. Uh, and I, I think some of the players that are there at the moment may be, in, yeah, I'm, I'm not too good for the team, but just that... Yeah, we should be winning with us in it. You shouldn't have to change. They should never take me off the pitch. Whereas last season, I think it was more of it was more of a teamwork between. No, the ethic was better. And mm. so I think that's where they've struggled a little bit. But that, having said that, I mean, Kate says, you know, off the field and that they get on so well. But I think also on the pitch, sometimes heads drop a bit quick if things aren't going their way at the moment. Jeff, you mentioned that you know it hasn't really been the same team. There's always there's a lot of incomings and outgoings every summer. Um, do you think that plays a part in sort of really struggling to get any kind of consistency, sort of you know from one season to the next? Because you know you, a lot uh, you hear people say all the time, you know, too many changes can really sort of change the flow, particularly particularly in the men's game. You know, make five or six changes in the summer and. You know, you can lose a little bit of that in the dressing room, a little bit of that, you know, that, that cohesion. Is that, do you think that has played a part this year? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, it's, you know, you, if you're changing like nine or ten players every season, you, that, that bonding you're getting through the season, all yeah. of a sudden it's just disbanded and you've got yeah. to start again. It's like just playing for a different team. And, you know, if you've got a different goalkeeper coming in, you've got the other one still there that was playing well. And a lot of other players not getting as much game time who probably deserve more game time. It makes it very difficult just changing all the time. Mm. And, Jeff, what's, uh, what's, what's Kate's, how's Kate feeling at the moment? She's um, obviously sort of 31 now towards that, um, or certain, certainly a more experienced campaigner, should we put it that way? Uh, you mentioned there the clubs that she's been at already. It was with Matt at um, Liverpool, of course, as well. And what's, how's she feeling at the moment? What's her sort of plans for the future? Well, plans for the future. We'd have to ask her that. But uh, <laughs> I mean, she's got another one year in a contract after this season. Uh, then I don't know, you know, whether she'll play or pack up. I don't know. Um, nothing I really discuss with her. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I mean, she's a bit upset at the moment because she hasn't had that much uh, game time this season. Been 
disappointing for me as well uh, because she adds that little bit of bite in midfield and she's a winner. Sometimes, you, well, you do need leaders on the pitch, and we've got Gilly at the back as a leader. But Kate is also a leader. That's been a bit lacking. So, yeah, she's, but she's down because she hasn't been playing as often as she wants to. But as soon as, you know, she will just train as hard every single day to try and get back in the team. That's the, what you've got to do, I guess, isn't it? Jeff, yeah. you and you and, uh, you and and Kate are both um, both lifelong West Ham fans as well. Uh, and what's that, what's that like from, from Kate's point of view? Obviously, it must be great for you to see your daughter play for the club. But what's it like for, for Kate? Is there that little bit of added specialness, for want of a better oh. word, playing for the club that, that you supported as well? Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine... Going through her head every time she plays, because you can imagine yourself if you were playing for the men's team. Mm. Um, you know, when she said when she walked out of Wembley, the cup fight. Wow, yeah. It was just that yeah. feeling. It, was just, it even beat, I think, when she won the WSL twice of Liverpool. You know, they won the league. Uh, mm. It's just, actually, it's your team, isn't it? Something special about it. And uh, before before we let you go, Jeff, what are you both making of the of the men's team at the moment? Frank McAvenny on earlier in the show, uh, all sweetness and light, all positivity. Tim Wildwood, who we had on uh, for our opposition view, uh, saying that you know he, he's back to one all draw. Me and the boys have gone a little bit more optimistic. But what do you make of the of the men's team this season as a as a lifelong fan yourself? Uh, two words: pleasantly surprised. <laughs> I'm, I'm really happy. Really happy because after last season, you know, the heads go down and you think, oh, here we go again. Yeah, same old West Ham. Seen it over so many years. Yeah, get a bit of promise comes through. Then all of a sudden you get a kick in the teeth and you're back down the bottom again. But I, I think they're playing well at the moment. That system seems to suit them. Um, whether they should stick to that every single game, I don't know. But um, certainly works at the moment with the fixtures they've had. Yeah. Been it's quite happy watching them, you know, the way they've been playing the football they've been. Yeah, absolutely. If give you, uh, we will let you go, um, but just give us a quick score prediction before we do, Jeff, for the Villa game on Monday night. Uh, we're going to win that two nil. Two nil, excellent, Jonesy. You're not on. You're like not that. the only one who's gone for a two goal victory now. That's not so bad, is it? Yeah, I'm not that mad, am I? <laughs> no, exactly. Well, Jeff, look, it's been an absolute uh, pleasure having you on. Jeff Longhurst, West Ham fan and father of Kate Longhurst, midfielder for the West Ham women's team. With all the best uh, with supporting the uh, the women's team every week on the podcast, Jeff. And although I think we were talking about the potential of Matt going, Matt Beard going before, some of the journalists we had on suspecting that maybe that, that was coming. But we uh, we wish all the best to to all the girls and to Kate in particular. And uh, fingers crossed, perhaps you might have a word and uh, and get Kate on uh, one week soon if, if she's allowed. Yeah, no problem. I'm sure she'd be pleased to do that, so... Brilliant stuff. Brilliant stuff. Jeff Longhurst, there, dad of Kate Longhurst, midfielder for West Ham women and lifelong West Ham fan. Well, that is about it for the We Are West Ham show tonight. But stay with us because we've got some final thoughts from James and Tom. And of course, the FPO update next. So, Jeff Longhurst there, dad of West Ham women's midfielder, Kate, an absolutely brilliant guest, giving us some insight into Matt Beard's departure from the women's team. 
last week. Interesting, boys, to see what's going to happen with that. Um, had a couple of a couple of names uh, sort of floating around for who could be next in as boss. But um, yeah, what did if you? What did you make of what Jeff had to say there, James? I thought it was interesting. I thought that the big thing was that you know he'd already resigned before that Charlton game, and um, obviously decided not to tell the players, which is obviously the right thing to do before a cup game before any game, really, if you're going to make that decision. But um, managed to win the four, game 4-0 and he, he, he still still decided that, you know, he'd, he'd probably taken the team as far as he could and it, it needed uh, an injection of fresh ideas and, and something a little bit different. So, and we've heard so many times that, you know, Matt Beard's such a nice guy. So, um, sounds like he, he made the right decision in the end. Absolutely. Well, we certainly all wish Matt all the best here at the We Are West Ham podcasting whatever he decides to do next i've heard some whispers that it might be luke swindlehurst who's the next name perhaps in the offing involved at uh barnet at the moment a uh quite a well-respected coach but um nothing too certain on that so watch this space uh we'll do a fantasy football update uh 83 points for me last week puts me on 526 points in total i'm gonna get through this quickly because james and jones James and Tom, sorry, are just not interested in fantasy football this year, or so it would seem looking at their team. James, you've got 64 points this week, puts you on 461, which is bottom out of me, you and Tom. Tom, you've got 58, lowest score in the week, but you're still uh, seven points ahead of Jonesy on 468. Rudy Eagling is still top of the uh, We Are West Ham podcast league, which you can join on code CNY6OU. He's 35 points clear now, Rudy, but he didn't quite get as many as me this week, I don't uh, believe. So uh, I've rapidly moving my way up the overall podcast league. I think I'm 90th or so out of the sort of 600 odd of our listeners that we've got joining in. Jonesy, do you even want me to ask you about it with three minutes left of the podcast? Uh, no, just if anyone's got any tips on how to pick the right the right captain. Like, I mean, 64 points is decent. Um, <laughs> no, not you. I'm not asking you. Oh, right, because um, I picked Dominic nah. Calvert-Lewin and he got me yeah, loads nah, of points. No, no, no. 64 <laughs> points is a, is a respectable weekly score. Um, but it, this annoyed me even more because had I actually picked any one of my players other than Mane, um, <laughs> who I did pick, I would have I would have picked up some points. So I had Yotta in my team, I had Calvert-Lewin in my team, I had Son in my team, um, Jimenez in my team. Even Robertson got 12 points in the back and I didn't put, give him any, any of them the armband. So I'm livid. Five weeks in a row. No captain returns. Absolutely lovely to hear. Tom, 58 points, the lowest score out of all three of us. 58, not too bad, to be fair. 468 in total. Seems like a bit of a relegation battle between you and James at the moment. How are you feeling? Uh, I did a wild card a few weeks ago, and I'm definitely happier with the troops I've got now. Um, I think onwards and upwards, I'm actually a bit quietly confident that I'll start moving in the right direction, mate. I'll, I'll be on your ass. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pleased to hear it. But as we wrap up for the show, it's been a brilliant show tonight. West Ham legend Frank McAvenny on, and we're absolutely delighted that Frank took the time out from up in Scotland to join us and give us some great anecdotes. Jonesy, with one minute and 45 seconds left of the podcast, give me some final thoughts. Uh, final thoughts are um, another great uh, great episode. Great to have Frank on. Uh, before we go, a couple of, one, especially very, very good review on, on the iTunes 
Uh, We've had a few this week, haven't we? We've had a few this week, but one really does stand out. Ulster Hammer. Love the pod, lads. Great guests, interviews, features and laughs. Comedy Wines, Long Live the Dead Giraffe. Um, so as a, as a fan of Dead Giraffe. And uh, mm. at Oki50, great listeners always there to keep them coming. Just subscribed. So yeah, th- thanks for those reviews. Wonderful. Yeah, if, um, if you feel so inclined, then do give us a review on iTunes. Go and subscribe to our YouTube channel. The link to that is in the description to this podcast below. Tom, just I need some brief 20-second final thoughts from you. Yeah, another great pod. Amazing to have a, a club legend on again. So, yeah, long may it continue for the pod. And, and fingers crossed for the weekend. It was good times to be a West Ham fan. Looking forward to it this weekend, or Monday it is. So, yeah carry on let's keep going West Ham keep churning out results absolutely well the Hammers put the blades to the sword last time out and it's the villains again on Monday keep the faith everyone thanks for listening up the Hammers and we'll see you next week Podcast Network.